Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode... How do you know when they're listening? Who knows? 22? Yes. 22. That feels good. I think it is 22. 22. We're All the ducks. Let's do the bingo call. All the ducks, 22. All the ducks. Yes, two would be one little duck, number well, two. Well, it was 21. You didn't do a bingo call for 21. No, top of, uh, 21, something about drinking. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's a bingo hall, so it's about drinking and smoking. And <laughs> what the old ladies like You're to do. You're an idiot. Yes. So, hey, Gavin Blake. Did you, he's the guy that gave me an F. I didn't, yeah, pretend what? For my, uh, I did my study there. I did my. Um, yeah, but you didn't, you got really good marks. Yeah, I, I think I. But he, he gave me the paper with an F on it and it was a photocopier that he put an F on it to, and he waved around and I got that nice photo. Uh, hopefully yeah. you're going to put that photo on the people of Gavin waving an F at me. <laughs> I don't know, that wasn't really funny, was it? <laughs> that sounded like an innuendo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it could have. Mm. So, so you and Gavin got... A bit pissy pants. No, 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 no. We weren't pissy pants. How pissy well, pants can you eat with a glass of whiskey? To be fair, it would make a bit more sense if you were because it's a bit oh, of a shit. it's a bit of an episode <laughs> of like I don't know. It's kind of funny. It's sort of it's so like it's so look. Okay, so I have to declare a bias. I was raised by two academics. So, and he is an academic. Correct. You're looking at me with wide eyes no, no, and correct. stunned silence. Correct. Yeah. So there is an element of it that is like such a classic conversation with an academic because it just spins wildly in every direction and goes from one century to the next and back again. And, but and that, that was partly my – because my curiosity doesn't go linear with this stuff. I hear something and then I'm off like, oh, there's a dog with a fluffy tail. Well, yeah, you both are though, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. It's great. But it is a little bit like it's kind of – and there's so many like he, he – he's, he's so like the best teachers. He's able to pepper his, his analysis and his thought process with, with references fundamentally to art pieces. So he – Talks and goes, and then there's that piece, and then should this and the, the and you, so you kind of it's kind of an episode where I think to really really do it, you want to sit with your phone in front of you. Yeah, because we've put we've he's given us a list of the th- well, I wrote what he was talking yeah. about. Hopefully, I got them all, yeah. and then he gave us a numbered list of those. Yeah. To, so you'll so see. So you can just hit the hit each one in the show notes. Yes. As he talks about it, so you have a guide of. Sort yeah. of where he's going. And, and, and some of it is stuff you might want to follow up on, a particular f- artist or photographer's. Oh, yeah. Uh, some of it will just explain what we're talking about, but some yeah. of it is actually, here's another great rabbit hole for you to go down. Totally. And I think it's lovely the way that he is, again, like all good teachers, incredibly enthusiastic and clearly so in love with what he does and also very embracing, inclusive and, and embracing of other people. I mean... My history with – I have a, a visual communications degree, which is what it was called back then. Do you want fries for that? Yeah, thanks. Uh, it's actually infinitely more practical than – I don't know, whatever. Let's not go there. But um, – and I've always really struggled with art educators because <sighs> when I went to – I went to a – fancy private school for the last couple of years of my education here in Adelaide, wilderness. And um, 
they tried to stop me from doing fine art, uh, like visual arts rather, not fine art, visual arts in uh, year 12 um, because I was going to ruin their numbers and get a shitty mark. So <laughs> if you're listening, yes, I still hate you. Um, <laughs> you don't say No, that. I can because she was one of the people that tried to stop me from doing it. And then I went to uni and got all high distinctions in art and went to the best graphic design agency in Adelaide straight out of school. So fuck you. Anyway, <laughs> beg your pardon. That's little very, personal that's, moment. It's very big of Adelaide. Me, very big of me. Very mature. <laughs> very mature. I'd totally run her down in the car in a street if I saw it. Hey, no, hang on. What no, if no, get, hang if she gets on. run no over, violence. you could be in for murder. No violence. No, you could be never be murder, violent. Just I would just verbally address her down if I could. Anyway, so. Can I say one thing? I, no, I'm on a rant. Shut up. You interrupted my rant Just last say, time. be nice. Oh, fuck you, be nice. You don't come here for be nice Kate, all right? All right, be nice Kate is not the person anyone's here for. So all I'm saying is she is one in a long line of shitty art teachers I've had that made <laughs> art really difficult for me because I felt like it was exclusive and it, there's a lot of kind of, oh, well, if you don't know, you don't know and you don't deserve to know and there's a lot of that stuff and I'm a person inside the industry. I'm a person who has a degree, has an understanding of art history, did art history all the way through uni, love art history, all the rest of it and I have I could stand on my own two feet and go, well, pff, let me tell you about data whatever but and I still am feel intimidated by the industry and by – the by artists and all the rest of it. So I think to have someone like Gavin who's so welcoming and so he's very generous, excited and keen, Accepting. and yep. yeah, and and also happy to make a stand on certain things. I mean, I have definite ideas about what is and isn't art, which I've fought with photographers about before. Um, so just so everyone knows. Kate isn't the canonical decider as to what is and isn't art. Kate so if you is? Feel Did you say Kate no, is the so canonical decider? If you feel decider, offended by Because I Kate am. I am known in our family as? In our family. As? I don't know. I can't remember. The decider. The decider. Like George <laughs> W. Bush remember on that air conditioner. Uh, oh. Remember when Bush was the worst president? Oh. So let's get, <laughs> let's get back to the podcast. Anyway, so Art what I'm Trover. saying is that it was really – I was quite nervous when I first started listening because I was like, ugh, do I have to – you know, I don't know Gavin really at all. I haven't really spent much time with him. You've spent infinitely more hours with him than I have. And I was a little bit apprehensive that it was going to be a lot of what I've experienced in the art industry before. And it was really, really refreshing and lovely to see his whole attitude and the way he – he views art and it it made me feel like I should go and do his course for a start. Mm. But also I think that there might be more – because I think because I came from graphic design, graphic designers tend to have this real like <sighs> photography is an art thing often because – Hang we, on, but graphic design is an art. No, we never claim it is. We're oh, commercial. I see. So we're you're commercial. saying – yeah, you're just saying you're – so, like, a, a designer that I knew for many years was scathing about photography, scathing about photography. And partly because she dated a few who treated her like shit. But <laughs> also... That'll do it. All uh, right. But also because she painted and she's like, this is, you know, you everything's in front of you and you just press a button. That's not that's not making an effort. Fuck you. You know, it takes me months to paint this painting. That's not effort. 
Well, art's not effort. And there's something to be said that, yeah, everything's in front of you, so to get something that's good out of that is actually much harder than just – Getting a bit Just of bring it out your mind. Getting a bit of oil paint and flopping it around on a on a canvas and getting credit for it. So yeah, you know, we can all have that fight till the cows come home. It's pointless discussion. And I totally fun. agree with Gavin on that. Um, so I don't know. It's it's really interesting. I I mean, when we went, when we've travelled and I've gone, you know, MoMA or whatever, and seen their their photographic. Um, collections it's just like i know and gavin's right when you see something in the flesh you Mm. you have to witness it um and when you see when you're exposed to so many like i remember when we were in was it moma or guggenheim something like that in new york and there were these beautiful wasn't the sex museum was it? no it was not the fucking sex museum i don't think they (laughs) i'm not talking about (laughs) they had art that was horrendous we are never doing that again art in in bunny in no there was no art art involved in that shitty place but you saying porn's not art oh god paul really you want to have that conversation we're living with teenagers i've had enough of it all (laughs) no 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 so so come on what were you saying i've forgotten no, we were in MoMA and in New York. Oh, the there was a photographer from the like it was like from nineteen fifty two or something, who had started taking photographs of um they're black and white and they were in and Gavin will be like, Oh yeah, that's Frank Smith or whatever, he'll know it, but I can't remember. It's it wasn't Robert Frank, the American No. And he was he she was taking photographs out of car driving through the country out of car windows and getting that like blurred each side and then just a tree in focus, which I do every time we travel. I'm like fucking... So does it mean you should be hung in the moment? Yes, obviously. This is where this is going, (laughs) this rant? But it's just there's something... I thought it was something beautiful about the way that, you know, we see and we've always seen and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, 100% agree. And the great thing is that I had a birthday this week. Don't... Send me any fucking happy birthdays. Let me be clear. Happy birthday to you. Let me be clear. Happy birthday. I hate birthdays. I think it's an artificial load of shit. I think it's stupid. I don't like them. I loathe being the centre of attention around gift giving. I hate having gifts given to me. Yeah, you FaceTimed into the cake we sang for you here at the lab. don't care. Don't care about cake. You didn't get a piece of it. No, don't care about cake. I think I ate your piece. Yeah, that's fine. Don't care about cake. If I want something, I buy it. I don't need a present. Everybody is shit at buying me presents anyway. Hang on. Hang on. It's leading into a good comment. (sighs) Just shut your face, dickhead. So, I hate birthdays, but this year, my beautiful husband... Finally, after being with him for 24, six something years, uh, (laughs) purchased me an actual camera. Yes. Have you used it yet? No. (laughs) (laughs) We got an Olympus OMD. I'm so glad you remembered what it was. Yeah, well, so... And you know what the best bit of that interview was actually right at the beginning where he was like, I was never interested in photography because photography is filled with gearheads. And I was like, hey, man, you are speaking to the fucking... I would so agree. I'm surrounded by fucking gearheads talking about their 52 to 35 and their 76 to 43 and I don't give two shits about any of it. I know, but you want to do the light painting stuff. I fucking do. You want to follow the, the what Ragni was talking about and yeah, because I'm not. We can see it live. This is the thing people the, don't know. We haven't worked out how to do it yet. The three people that are listening to this for to, for, to this podcast I may or may not remember. It's more than three. Mm, I don't know. I don't trust those fucking RSS 
analytics. No, I don't trust it one bit. We should listen to DJ and actually subscribe to a proper system. <sighs> Whatever. Anyway, I'm not a photographer. I'm not a photographer. I'm surrounded by them, but I'm not a. I'm not one. I cannot take photos. When I take photos, I want to cry. So this beautiful little creature that you've purchased, which very feels pretty, isn't really it? lovely, beautifully made. Beautifully made. Shout out to Christy from Olympus. Christy from Olympus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. After about eight years of me talking to her about cameras, finally. We well, actually, trigger. I didn't get it from her, but it doesn't matter. It's an Olympus camera. They get the credit. She pointed us in the right direction. Correct. And um, and a lovely bag, little camera bag with oh, waxed, gorgeous camera bag. waxed canvas. Thanks out to C.R. Kennedy for that. C.R. Kennedy who are just down the road from us. Yes, C.R. Kennedy, if you ever see small droppings of dog shit out the front of your building, that is because <laughs> my dog, Frank, shits out the front of your building. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he does, and I don't pick it up. <laughs> I'm the, the evil worst. one. Paul hates me for it. He's given me the squinty-eyed, why am I married to you again? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, what I'm now, saying is Gavin is a beautiful dog. Gavin has a beautiful dog? Yeah, he does. Does he? What does he have? Yeah, I can't remember what the breed is, but he had two dogs and one died. Oh. He, and they were called Wallace and Gromit. Oh. And Gromit died. Oh, gosh, I wish I could remember this story. D- What's Gromit their died. breed? Give me something. Cute. Oh, fuck you. Like cute. Frank is cute. So um, fluffy. Yes. And um, Wallace died. That's right. And sorry, Get Gromit right died and he replaced Gromit with Simpson. Mm. No. Oh, this is I've got, an no, old Edward, man Edward, moment. Edward, he's called Edward because Mrs. Simpson, the royal, who, who, who the, prin- the, the prince that abdicated, the king that abdicated to marry Mrs. Simpson, Wallace Simpson, uh-huh. he named the dog after the prince. Oh. So the dog pivoted from a Wallace and Gromit dog to, to a Mrs. Wallace, which I thought was a beautiful pivot. He's going to be in big trouble when the other dog dies. Well, they work it out. Uh, it's wonderful. He and Ms. Joanna, they have a wonderful relationship with their dogs. Oh, they're, they're, they're like their little babies. Yeah, my babies too. Anyhow, let's anyway, leave these people to listen. Uh, and you're away. actually talking at the CCP on Thursday night, talking oh, about Instagram. Me. Apparently. Boop, 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 boop. Anyone who want to see Kate speak? Nobody wants to see me speak. Yeah, it's at the CCP. Yeah, well, it's going to be a good night. What am I talking about? Instagram. Instagram. Marketing. Says the woman who hasn't posted in how long? Shh. I have to know about reels. I don't know how to do reels. It's too hard. TikTok's so much easier. Reels are just full of good-looking people dancing in front of the camera. That's all it is. That's you just TikTok need to start is. dancing. I am not dancing for anybody under any circumstances. Let's let these people listen to Gavin and we'll speak to you afterwards. A little bit. They, they, they. Um, yeah, I suppose they're more of a shotgun than anything. I think there's a cartoid is the description. And yeah. in it, my day, it was shotgun. Yeah. So you could point it at your thing like a shotgun, and yep. it would be sort yep. of like that, yep. rather than a parabola, which would be more like a rifle, I suppose. Yep. So let me um, just say, unique New York. Unique New York. That'll do. <laughs> That's very good. We can talk about <laughs> no, 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 That's, no, 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 nothing, no, no, nothing at all. So good. No, if, I, if I feel anything's inappropriate, I'll just say, yeah, I, I won't because you know I'm no, not, no, not no, capable no, yeah. of that kind of crap. You're, you're, um, you're, you're the most diplomatic person <laughs> I've ever met in my entire <laughs> life, my friend. Is you're, that a compliment? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're so generous of spirit, Thank you. and um, you certainly. 
you certainly know the hand life has dealt you, and you appreciate that, my friend, yeah. which is why uh, well, the CCP will always support Thanks. You guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you support us. Thank you. No, I think, I think, uh, yeah. I I think that's a a lovely sort of sentiment and a lovely idea because I don't know, you don't often know yourself and what's happened, but I do think that I'm incredibly lucky with everything I've come across. I know. And that's, that's obvious. That's, that's evident. That's absolutely evident with the way you behave. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, yeah. You're a younger version of Milton Wordley. Oh, God, I love that man. You know? Oh, he's wonderful. Mm. I know. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah, he's terrific. I'll take that. Oh, in, insofar as uh, I don't think we ever exchange money. Mm. We just do stuff together, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a nice way to be. It is a lovely way to be. It is a lovely way to be. I lovely. mean, you've got to run a business, yes, of course, but let other people run on the business yeah, that's for right. us. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. We're lucky we're both in that position that we don't yeah. so much have to worry about that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, let's get this going. Then okay, we can, sure. Then we can be, um, we can talk Slunch. about things. Slunchvar. You say Slunchvar. Slunchvar? Yeah. Look in the eye? Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's lovely. Well, we're here on a Wednesday afternoon in the office uh, with a, a good friend, Gavin Blake, of the Centre for Creative Photography, and I wanted, I've been holding off in interviewing Gavin because I wanted to know I could do this properly. He's laughing uh, for those in the end. And we're drinking uh, a reasonably nice single malt, 15 years old. Yes, it is. Single malt. Yeah. Yes. And um, I've just, I've wanted the interviews, I wanted to understand how these things work. I know I've done quite a lot of them. You'll be 22 or something like that by the time it goes out. So a uh, 20-second interview. So I've had a little bit of practice on this series of interviews. Okay, okay. Um, before that, uh, we, I've had several years of it. But this, I just wanted to get to the point because you and I have got a lot to talk about and it's not going to fit into one session. Oh, I'll, I'll come back. We'll, do, we'll, we'll take it up. And there are other people that I want to plug in from other parts of the world mm. because what you and I are going to talk about is, is your career. Uh, but we're also going to talk about photography and contemporary art, and art, art history and photography, because I think this is this really floats my boat, metaphorically. Mm-hmm. And I've had a wonderful beginning of the year studying at the Centre for Creative Photography doing uh, art appreciation for photographers. And I hope mm. that course is, is going to continue. Oh, yes, it will. I'm, I'm already working on part two. Okay. And <laughs> have you worked a, a way of doing it remotely for people interstate and maybe overseas? I'm working on it, but it, it will happen. And I know it works best in person because the always yeah. It's, these things are about talking about art mm. and discussing mm. art and yeah. Well, well, that that subject is actually a little more abstract anyway. And I think you're um, you're bent on that earlier on, just by suggesting okay. So rather than necessarily shooting in the manner of, can I go through some earlier work and determine what constitutes a a John Singer Sargent or a, a Emil Nolde or a Monk or Picasso or something. And I thought that was terrific. Mm. So, yeah, that, that'll be in for the rest oh, of the great. subjects. Yeah, 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 I, definitely. I thought it was more of a, a dive into what has attracted me mm-hmm. uh, to art. And yes. so in looking at the work that I've taken, I'm understanding, because I've had a, a reasonably 
uh, reasonable history, like most good Australians with a reasonable education, where we've been shown art and we've looked at it and we've we've thought about it and we've seen photographs which have no doubt probably response to art as well. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. And then we we take photos ourselves and then we make work and and it's lovely to see where we fit in, Mm. or not so much where we fit in as in we have I personally fit in anywhere with these great artists, but what I've responded to and what has influenced my work. And that is what I got got out of it mm. so much. So, so let, let's stop talking about me. Let's wind the clock back. Why, why, have, why did art inspire you and where did that begin in your career? <laughs> oh, a long time ago, actually, Paul. I was um, 17 years old. I, I grew up uh, as a, um, um, what, what would you call me, uh, um, a bogan. I grew up in a bogan household. Really? Yeah, yeah, totally. I don't take you totally. the bogan. Oh, complete bogan. So, so you've managed... Well, that's nothing wrong with being a bogan. Oh, uh, no. But I just don't like bogans, actually. Um, because... <laughs> well, that's an apology to all bogans out there. I know. Well, well that, that reminds me of, you know, of my, you know, my, my, my past history family. Of course. Um, but the thing was, I always felt different growing up. And the fortunate thing for me, I was—I uh, I, realised that I needed to get an education. You know, all of my family left school in year ten. Right. Yeah, they did. They did. That was it. My parents, uh, well, earlier than that, of course. You know, year seven, something like that. But um, I always felt different, and I realised that I needed an education of some sort. So. I'm going to matriculate. In those days, we did matriculation—the the real stuff. And so year 10, you would have been 15, and that's when most of your family had left school already. 15, 16, yeah, 15, right 16, up. something like that, yes. So I was in year 11, yes. and I had a lousy art teacher. I was always interested in art. Yes. I had a lousy art teacher, but fortunately she took us to the then North Adelaide School of Art in Stanley Street mm-hmm. on an excursion. And as soon as I walked in, I did not understand what it was but I knew this is exactly what I wanted to do and lo and behold it was a case of this is it my my life my my life was absolutely set when I was 17 years old Uh, for what purpose I'm not sure but um, that evening sitting around the kitchen table having having dinner I said to the family I said to my family um I'm going to art school. What was the response? <laughs> and my brother turned to my mother and said, see, I told you he's a fag. <laughs> oh, no, really? That was it. Really? That was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that didn't matter because, uh, no, my, my, my life was set at that stage. Yeah. And I went into art school wanting to draw and sculpt. I hated photography. Right. Because there's an aspect of photography which attracts gearheads. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It still does. It still does. It still does. And people want to talk gear. Yeah. Oh, in those days, oh, this is shot on um, HP5, developed in Rodinola 1 to 25 for 18 minutes uh, on a um, Nikon F2, one twenty fifth of a second at F8, blah, 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 blah. You mean I've got to know all this stuff to take this lousy picture? Really? I'm not interested. I just want to draw and sculpt. So I went into art school wanting to draw and sculpt. But in those days, you did a common course and you did everything. Right. And that was fantastic. 
Well, that's what university further digging yes. is about, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Showing you the wider world. Yes, exactly. Because when I sat in my first reluctant photography lecture, it was an amazing thing. I was seeing. Right. I wasn't just looking. I was seeing. Looking is passive. Seeing is engaged. Yes. And I, I distinctly remember um, Alfred Stieglitz, The Steerage, yes. okay, 1907. I'm going to write some notes, by the way, oh, and I try and put it. these images in show notes for those listening. Sure. And, and, but with that, though, I, I, I didn't I, – I, I saw a narrative. Yeah. I wasn't thinking F-stop, shutter speeds, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was a case of, wow, so you can actually develop a narrative with this stuff. And no one was talking about F-stops and shutter speeds. They weren't talking about gear. I was actually seeing this stuff. Okay. Then I became interested. Right. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly enough, as, as uh, my life has progressed artistically, my photographic stuff is sculptural, it's installations, and you know, a whole range of yeah. stuff. It's almost performance, isn't it? It, it can be. It it's can only be. in the capture. It can be. But, but the idea of just having all of that stuff behind me has certainly informed my photography. Right, right. And as we were chatting a little bit earlier, just a over some whiskey, it was a case of, you know, talking about art, etc. And as you know, my feeling about that is that there is a 3%, 3% that you remember, 3% of all the art that you see you will remember. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was 5%. I was speaking with um, 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 John, John Nolan. The, um, oh, yes. Yeah. Anyway, and he said, as much as that? Really? I think it's about 3%. Okay. And I... And I Thought, yeah, okay, that's, that's that's fine too. The great thing about it, though, that three percent grows and grows and grows. The more stuff you see, see, and that does not discount the other ninety-seven percent of stuff. Mm. You know, it informs. But it you. sticks to you. Of course, it does. But not, you know? and it doesn't mean the other stuff is discounted. No, no, not not at all. But because it's just this is the three percent that sticks to you. There's a lot of slippage. You know, it moves around, and then you find out a little bit more information. All oh, right, okay. You know, so if you think about Malovic's black square, for instance, when you realise that Malovic wanted the black square on a white background, on a white frame, against a white wall, okay, so here all of a sudden you've got this black square floating in infinity. Now that, that is really interesting. It's not just a black square. No. No, it's, it's, it's something far more primordial than that. And it's, it's the universe, really, right, type right. of thing. And it's that sort of stuff that keeps me, <laughs> keeps me awake at night, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. just looking at that stuff. So, so relating that to photography, I bring, I bring everything to, to everything that I see, actually. Yeah. You know? so, so just looking at um, uh, Justine Varga's stuff, yeah. for instance, at Hugo Michel, um, when was that, last year? year yes, that's right. Something like Absolutely beautiful exhibition. You know, and I was just floating in that stuff. And I really love the permutations of her work. Oh, yeah, so that is the same negative as that one over there, but yeah. she's treated it differently, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I, think that's, I think that's really terrific in, in the way, for instance, that um, I stumbled on an Ansel Adams exhibition, a retrospective many years ago now in Washington, and I saw four, five, six different versions 
of Moonrise Hernandez. Yes. You know, ranging different prints that he'd made or others had made? Uh, different prints that he'd made. Yep. You know, just ranging from the original contact print yep. right up to one of his murals. And I can tell you that guy and, and the, that retrospective, you know, very much dro- drove home to me that Ansel Adams was printing more contrasty towards the end. Now, I don't know if that was aesthetic or his eyesight. His eyesight, possibly. You know, yeah. Possibly. But, um, you know, you look at the evolution of stuff and the artist's work, is, as Ansel Adams said, the, the negative is the score and the print is the performance yes. type of thing. And if you listen to live music, which I know you do, last night's was much better than tonight's yes of you course. know or tonight they really blew the house that's down. really exciting yeah yeah, yeah it it's is context isn't it it is the context you know and that doesn't discount you know the, the one that wasn't as good yeah. because that might have been the only one that you heard but i tell you what that stuff stays with you and yeah and it's exciting yeah 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 you know so that's the thing that that's the thing about photography and the the performance of something being shown that gives you a buzz. Now I'm going to ask you a really, really numpty numpty question because I know we have got such a range of listeners. What makes something art and not art? Terrible question. Worst question in the world. But what makes something? Because I've, I've, I've known. I, I know a lot of people who are like, yeah, that's not art. Yep. And I just, you know, I don't think you can actually do that. But I, I want to hear your feeling about mm. that because I know you're a, you're an educator, so you're used to dealing with people. Mm. fledglings at this point where they could be at this their point in their career mm. be really put off by someone saying something as oh, oh that's uh, not art or that's or, or art as an educator I'm I'm very aware of that because when I was a student in fact I was, I was having this conversation with one of my students just today I said the worst lecturer I ever had yep was actually my best lecturer because when I started teaching <laughs> when right. I started teaching Listening. I knew that is exactly what I do not gotcha. wish to do. So get rid of that. Everything else has to be better. And as an educator, it's about communicating. It's giving people the confidence to actually stand up to be called a fool. And what, for someone else to call them a fool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. But just the, Don't the, you want to prov- help them? To not feel like they're going to be a fool by... by art, art for me, art for me, uh, and that 3% of art, I mean, every, everything that I see in a gallery is art. It's got to be. By Why? Virtue, by virtue of its context. Because it's in a gallery. It's in a gallery. Or it's... I mean, there, there's so much art out there, Paul. You know, um, I'll just back up a little bit, though. Art for me is just, the art that I remember resonates. And I don't have to actually agree with it but it resonates authority. And you think, yeah, actually, I wouldn't have done it that way. It's never occurred to me to do it that way, but I tell you what, that's a damn good observation, right. a damn good narrative, or it could be purely technique. You know, if you think about, say, um, a Jackson Pollock, his, his drip paintings. Yep. I hated them until I saw one. Then you look at it and it's like, Shit, that's infinity, man. I can fall into that. But no, none of us have seen, like so few of us have seen a Pollock. I know, I know. It's so easy to go, oh, my kid could do that. I know, I know. And your kid can't do that because your kid would not think of doing that. Yeah. And that's the difference. The thing is, we see a lot of art 
by reproduction. And the reproduction is it's a facsimile of what it is. You really do need to make the pilgrimage to see the original. That's part of the context, isn't of it? Of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. Because and, and, the, and, and that's the context at that time. Because it may well be that if you think about the realists, you know, what they're talking about is, is, is real people, real subject matter. So t- hang on, let's stop. <laughs> this is why it's going to take us forever. Yep. The realists. Um, tell us what what you meant by what, look at the realists. So we're talking about an art genre, are we, oh, or an art movement? Uh, an art genre, yeah. Um, okay, uh, so you have the neoclassic, you have classicism. Um, you have so the, classicism the, the reproduction of iconography? Um, no, 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 no. no the, they're working from a, a, a Grecian sort of motif, so it's all very romantic. It's all flowering, gotcha. lots of roses, and, and that sort of stuff. Time-wise, this so is early, early seventeen fifty through to about seventeen eighty, seventeen ninety. Then uh, going into the neoclassicists, uh, sort of reviving that sort of thing. So we're talking seventeen eighty through to you know eighteen hundreds, eighteen you know eighteen twenties, eighteen thirties. But then there's this thing called photography that's invented as well, and then you've got a uh, you've got a medium that can actually record stuff. 1840? Pho- photographically, 1837. 1837. 1837 in, in France, 1838 in, in London. Yep. And the irony there is a whole other story as well because, of course, you have uh, Jacques-Louis not, uh, uh, Daguerre um, and you've got the Daguerreotype. That's a one-off original, 1837. Yes. But then you've got uh, William Henry Fox Talbot in London and he creates a negative that you can make lot of stuff from and that's the process that we use but anyway that comes through but then you've got the realists and at that time the realists are thinking well yeah okay this is all good to have this all you know highfalutin you know wonderful classic stuff but what about real people what about real stuff what about so? Peasants? Would this be people that are not paying to have their portrait painted or paying for a pretty exactly picture? exactly because what happens? So it's photojournalism for painting. No, you could you could call it that right. absolutely, because what what happens at around that time people begin thinking because art at that point is commissioned. Yep. Okay, so I want you to paint my likeness and make me look good. Yep. Okay, so I'm going to commission you to do that. Thomas or, Gainsborough. Gainsborough is at the at top of his game. So he was Ab- absolutely making not so great looking rich people great. Selling the work, getting recommendations. Of, of course, but there's a whole other story with Gainsborough. If you read Simon Sharma, Landscape and Memory, that will absolutely blow your mind about I'm going to try and write all this down. It's not going to happen. Though. Yeah, that's all right. No, Keep going. Yeah, that's okay. I'll even loan you the book if you wish. It is a fantastic read, let me tell you. Anyway, sorry, we were talking about realism. So anyway, so the realist, when you got to, you know, um, uh, Corbet, you know, have Manet. This is real stuff. This is this is what this is the grist of the mill. But what happens there? They paint because they feel like painting. They're not commissioned to do this stuff, because what happens with photography at around the same time? It begins to free people up to make stuff. I don't have to paint photographically anymore, you know. And so at around 1860, all of a sudden you've got impressionism where. Oh, yeah, okay, we can paint on plein air. You think about the technological advances as well. Paint in a tube. Oh, wow, I can take this out into the lab. So they invented the tube of paint in a metal tube that you could 
It's put out the paint, which meant you didn't have to stand there and mix up the paint That's with it. a turpentine yep. in your studio. Yep. You are taking that mix with you yep. or by, by buying it from somewhere else. So yep. you've got a technology that meant it detached you from the studio, which means you go and paint out, which enabled realism. But hang on, it was really only, you said 1840, mm -hmm. 1837. So it was really only 40-odd years before photography departed from being realism. This I'm just summarising potentially. Mm -hmm. And the impressionism where people go, we can make this an art form. It doesn't have to be just a recording mechanism. <laughs> Is that what we're saying? Nope. Oh, okay. the, the irony, the irony <laughs> is that, uh, no, the irony is that we have this new medium called photography. Yes. And that frees up painters, okay, to, to actually paint non-photographically, to paint an impression. But the thing is, we've got this new medium called photography, and we want to call it art, but the way that we try to justify the art is a case of, we've got to make it look like something we know, which is a painting. Right. And so you've got the pictorialists. So the photographers are making soft focus stuff to look like paintings and the impressionists are just muddling about with their, with their paint and light and that sort of stuff. Impressionist, give us an example of a great impressionist. Oh, well, let me see. Monet? Monet, yeah, perfect. Turner? Monet. Um, Turner is more of a... He uh, turned into an impressionist at the end? Yeah, yeah. He, he headed towards impressionism. Yes. He's more of a neoclassicist, I think, you know. Um, but anyway, um, and the funny thing about Turner, of course, is that he his stuff was just an idea of a boiling sea or a shipwreck or something. You know, was, most of it was really just a, a just a figment of his imagination. Um, some of the stuff that we looked at, for instance, in um, in the um, art appreciation course, you know, we're looking at that stuff. It's like, oh yeah, right. If you were there, you're dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, if you were there, you were dead. Totally. But anyway, you know, there's that... Uh, but you would feel like you're dying. You would feel like what you're seeing yeah. in a Turner painting, mm -hmm. which which, I know you said he's less of an impression, more of a neoclassicist, but from my feeling as the as the numpty in the equation, impressionism is about getting the impression of feeling that comes with the work, mm. not so much what's trying to be represented. And when I look at mm. a Turner painting, mm. I feel, because I like to go out in the boat, I feel the pressure of the way, you know, of all that tension that Turner wraps into his paintings. Even mm. though it's unreal, it mm. certainly is the feeling I would have if I was out in the middle of a storm. Yep, yeah, it, it, it's an accumulation of thought, yeah. you know. That, that's what it's about. But um, interestingly enough, for instance, um, Impressionism. I mean, that was a disparaging comment. Was it? It's an impression. It's an impression of the world. It's awful, you know. And it's not, not, the, not the real thing. Exactly. And then if you think about, uh, you know, the neo-impressionists, that was really only coined uh, somebody who's having an exhibition at the Tate, would have been the, the 1970s. What the hell are we going to call this? Um, neo-impressionism, you know. So they weren't, they didn't say we're neo-impressionists. Yeah. They were just... It's put in hindsight a lot of this. Exactly, that, that was... When, when if you think about the next movement, Fauves, then that was disparaging as well. Fauves means wild beast. Right. Oh, Donatello amongst the Fauves, this is awful. You know? So everybody snickered at this stuff. But the um, uh, progression, progression is the sort of thing that people laugh at. You know, we, we just want to keep it to ourselves. We want to keep it the way that it is, which is why America is so screwed as it is now because you've got all these people that really just want the world to be white 
middle class mm. Americans. You know, they like, want the like, Disney. Like it was. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they want, the they want, the, they want the Disney experience. They do not wish, wish to embrace change. But anyway, moving right along. So, where were we at? Yeah, where we were at was that photography, we're making photographs try to look like paintings. Yes. And painting has been freed by photography to go into all this other stuff. And so then you think about Matisse and the Fauves. You mean I can actually work with a different sort of a palette? Beautiful. But if you reduce all that stuff to a grayscale, they got the values right. They okay. got the modelling. They, they really yeah, had enough, the technique we, down We tried there. that in class. Where we converted we did. some of the grayscale and you could see the separation. You could. You could still see the story. You could still understand. Mm. And so their understanding of luminosity... Mm. Uh, was sublime. Of they course. They really yeah. knew what they are doing. They totally knew what they were doing. And that's the thing, you know, as Picasso said, I've worked really hard all my life to try to paint like a child. Right. You know, and th that's what you do. That's what you do. You know, there's... Because growing up is a process, I believe, of becoming more and more inhibited. Oh, don't do that. What will other people think? Whereas when you're indulging in art, you don't care what other people think. It's the immediacy of what you're thinking, you know. This is this seems like a good idea at the time, yes. you know. And it could well be that you say, well, the uh, okay, the operation was a success, but the, pain, you know, the patient has died. Or, wow. You know, um, Picasso, when he did Demoiselle d'Avignon in 1907, he, he wrapped that up for about seven years. It, it was too much for him. He didn't, right. know, he didn't know what to do with it. Yep. And it was only Kahn Wheeler, I believe, who saw it and said, oh, no, this is fantastic, you know, absolutely. Um, was it Kahn Wheeler? Anyway, around that time anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, so, so there's all this stuff happening. And meanwhile, photography, we've got the pictorialists that are trying to make photography look like painting. That's the way we understand it. Yes. It's not until 1919 when Paul Strand does Rocks, Nova Scotia. Okay. Paul yes, Strand. Right. Yeah. That now that that is a seminal piece. That's when Paul Strand nailed what photography is all about, and it's pure form. You know, it's the ability to describe life in infinite tone, something that painting cannot do. Right. Painting is more real than photography. Painting evolves over time, whereas a photograph, as you well know, is one twenty-fifth of a second. You know, it, it's a different way of looking at things and to try to compare photography to painting is stupid because it is what it is. It's different, a, different it, things. Completely different, completely different, you know. I mean, you try to compare um, um, entree to dessert. They're both wonderful, mm. you know, mm. <laughs> at, at the right time mm. type of thing. So, so what happens then is that 1919, Rocks, Nova Scotia by Paul Strand, he nailed it. There is no sense of scale there. You look at that rock, and I've seen the print, and it's absolutely beautiful. It is gobsmackingly beautiful. It, it's profound. It, it, take, it takes your breath away when you mm. see it. Mm. And when people actually question, when, when, when people question my students, oh, is photography art? I say to them, look, don't, don't even buy into that conversation. Of course it's art, but where they're coming from is a position of ignorance. They have not seen a beautifully visualised or a beautifully seen photograph. Yes. I mean, they, they might be looking at reproductions. Of I course. mean, Christ, you're looking at half-tone reproduction, you're looking at something from the 1960s, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
you know, it, it's not even a facsimile of what it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, you need to make that pilgrimage into the art gallery, into the collection, and have a look at their collection. And anybody who's in Adelaide right now, or anybody who's actually in Australia, do you have a national audience, international audience? Actually, what is yeah, it? we've got a bit of an international audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sidle up to your gallery and just ask to have a look. When when do you make your collection available? I mean, not the stuff that's on the walls. Yeah, that's the stuff great. that's in the archives. The, the stuff that's in the archives. When can I see that? Because they are the fiduciary of our collection. Hmm. You know, at the Art Gallery of South Australia, I, I always take students into the prints, hmm. drawings and photographs at least once a year. And uh, Maria Zagala is wonderful about all that. And it's, you know, a Thursday morning, a Thursday morning once a month, they, they open the space up. And because they know me, they just let me at it. Mm. You know, I mean, they'll, they'll bring out lots of portfolios. Normally you just reduce the kind of one portfolio or specific images or something, which is great. But um, I love to talk students through all of this stuff. And it's profound when students see that oh, David Moore had a great eye, but he wasn't so good at retouching, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's fine. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not a problem. It's, the, um, it's very much warts and all, you know? So photography has a profound change in 1919 when Paul Strand creates Rocks, Nova Scotia. And then you've got this schism. You've got the, you know, people still want to do the soft focus stuff. But all of a sudden, photography develops an edge. And... That was really, really cool. You know, that's, that's a, a technological development within the technology itself. Yes. And it took Paul Strand to do that. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's certainly one of my three percenters. Right. right so that, that pivot point, um, like we're, we've gone a long way down the track of, of looking at that work and we've developed technologies and techniques and ideas uh, with the concept of a image and a picture being the original that the artist created, that is what we're there to enjoy, and the, and everything else being kind of a facsimile of that, mm -hmm. where does digital art fit into that? Uh, mm. You know, because there's so much work that people aren't seeing mm, rendered, yes. and 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 of course, I always I always say that the artist, the person who's made, accepted the print. Uh, as being the rendering of their work, whether they made it themselves or someone else made it, whatever it is, that is the piece. Yep. Now, and a curator's like, great, we're collecting that, it's gorgeous, it's mm. what I want. But there's so much work that's being made now that's probably designed to be on scene in a, in a different medium that's not. And so where does that fit into the context of it? Mm. Uh, like I made this show, and back when I made this show, it was a projection thing, and all that was available was cathode ray tube screens, CRT screens with those big, deep mm. hot boxes we used to have on our desks that lasted you know, 10 years and then they died. And if you put a magnet near them, they went weird. <laughs> and, and so is that, the, is, that the, is that the artwork on the original CRT screen? What's the... Where does... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a really interesting um, question, actually. I remember seeing a Num, Namjung Paik piece with a, a yeah, cathode ray screen and yep. he actually had a magnet against it and it's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah right. it's, it's, it's all weird type stuff so he was a member of fluxus of which uh, yoko owner was was also right member but anyway i th uh, well i don't want to sound trite since donald trump said it recently but it is what it is actually <laughs> you know th that is that is to say I'm glad you're quoting trump yeah 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 
that that is to say, um, when when you look at uh, uh, when you look at, for instance, uh, Neves for Neves first photograph in 1925 the view out of his tying window. the shoelace the fellow no no not not that one that that's about it's across the roof of the that's about 18 20, that's about 18 30, about 1840 or something one of the first pictures of people the, in the, it no 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 you're not, talking about across the roof of the no 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 well, yeah the, the view out of his studio yeah i know that okay one. the view out of his studio now we look at that and i should supply you with both versions because Profoundly, I didn't realise that somebody had actually beefed that up. They'd actually done some post-production in about 1950. Really? That is the one that's always reproduced. The original is almost unintelligible. So the person that made the decision, the curator, they've made the artwork, right? They've made the one that we actually accept as the, as the reasonable piece. But the but if you were to look at the original uh, Nietzsche for Nips, it, it's just like a, a piece of metal with a couple of dents in it, and it's a very very smudgy picture. Comparing it to the one that's been manipulated, oh yeah, sure. And I really appreciate the one that's been manipulated because I ha actually have a better sense of view. But you can be damn sure the the original is worth far far more, mm. because of course it's original. Mm. It's that is it. And so I think you need to look at that work in the context of provenance. So the digital work that's out now, for instance, for me, anything that I sanction, I'll sign off on. It's got my... It's got my so this is Gavin doing his Gav production. Gavin Blake doing his production. This is the one that I've sanctioned. Yeah. The ones that I haven't sanctioned, I mean, you're welcome to have them. I've probably given them to you as a gift or you've stolen them out of my bin or something. So I... And that's I, the importance of signing an artwork? For me it is. Um, I am an artist. I make art. And I like to sanction the stuff that I have. You need to look at an artist's oeuvre. You can't just determine what an artist is like by one piece or two or three pieces out of context. You need to look at their oeuvre. You need to look at what they have done, you know, so we're talking about a, a, a single collection or their body of work, so to, to this day. I think the more the merrier, actually. The, the the more you know about somebody, the more you appreciate where they're coming from and what that art is. So the provenance, I think, is is really very very important. Mm. But then, if you're thinking conceptually, I mean, in terms of digital stuff, okay, I I made some fax pieces. I had, uh, let me see, I had uh, Immaculate Projections. And when I came back to Australia, I did Phase 2. But then there were fax machines around. And, and that, it's, um, I, I read a story about a, a fax machine for cars. I mean, they, they don't exist now. I mean, so in your car you could have a so fax machine for the listeners who don't understand it was a way of sending some a drawing some writing handwriting basically scanned it over the over the phone line <coughs> it sent mm. it and then it came out your fax machine yeah. as a piece of paper exactly and 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 I was delighted by this thought because you've got some self important person they've got a the fax car. machine in their the car. car I mean it's not just a phone they've got a fax machine no that important they have well you're stuck in traffic in New York what are you going to do exactly exactly so so. After the Immaculate Projections, I'm reading about fax machines and I was really delighted 
to create this idea of immaculate receptions. And the immaculate receptions were fax pieces. So I just find some fax numbers. I, I made up a, a body of, I think, 12 pseudo-scientific images, and I just had a, immaculate receptions, you are not alone. And I just sent them out to these random fax numbers. Oh, those poor people. And they were just... Well, I just imagine somebody receives this random fax, okay? You're not alone. Yeah, you look over like, your shoulder. Yeah, and and I mean, the piece is not realised until it actually comes out of the fax machine. I've never seen them. Yeah. I've got I've got all the originals, but they're, they're not the works. Interesting. They're the basis. They're, they're the negative. So what something. is the... If someone said, hey, I want to collect Gavin's work, how do they collect immaculate receptions i don't even know if they exist yeah i mean somebody could be driving along they get it out of their their, their car and say ah oh, shit and just, just throw it in the bin type of thing but i i that was the whole purpose of the piece uh, the whole purpose of that was a case of just recognizing the technology at the time yes. so i think with um with digital pieces you know you, you do need to be careful about what you're doing because of course everything is reproducible yes and by virtue of having anything out on the internet it's no longer yours. Yes. It's out there. It is, it is taken. Yes. And that's really the underpinning of Richard Prince's work. You know, it's, it's the um, reproducibility of everything. I love Richard Prince's work. I love the fact that he's poking me in the eye and saying, what the hell yeah. do you think about this yeah, stuff? I agree. You know? um, Sam Abel, I, I just saw an interview with him the other day, one of the cowboys that he shot, which I, by the way, would not have shot because I'm against cigarette smoking. So, you know, you're going to pay me $20,000 to shoot this cowboy to advertise your cigarettes? No, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. Mm. So one of the things Sam Abel doesn't realise is that, um, I don't know, you don't want to be selling poison. You don't want to be selling death necessarily. You've got to make a living, but you've got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. So what level of accountability do you have? But anyway, getting back to Richard Prince, Sam Abel said, well, and very, uh, uh, very well said, actually. You know, he photographs for National Geographic. He does um, documentary stuff. That's not art. That's something else. But what? Hang on, he could put it in the gallery and put it on. And yet, Richard Prince, your... Richard Prince copies Sam Abel's work, and that makes it into a gallery. Copies it as in he copies the cowboy. Yep. He, he takes a section of the cowboy. So he's actually using the original picture that Richard Prince took. Yep. yep. No, he's using he's using a, a reproduction of the original picture. Right. But Richard Prince says, this is it. I'm going to compose it, and this is the way that I think that it should look. I'm going to make it as much of mine as possible, mm-hmm. and now it's mine. Outside of copyright law, so he does enough of a modification. I mean, is he thinking about that stuff? He had no idea about that stuff at okay. the time. So he's just mucking around. That's right. He's just mucking about. But on the other hand, you know, the view outside your window right now, Paul. Yeah. You photograph that. Yeah. You'd have copyright for that. Yeah. That's your image. Yeah. What about the architects that made the buildings? Yes. What about the people that built the streets? What about all that sort of stuff that goes into it? So it's a it's a slippery slope if you want to start talking about. Yeah, that yeah. Sort of so thing. with that famous show where the person took the Instagram pieces, <laughs> I don't even remember the story of yep, it, but then yep. they put them on the wall. Yep. And they put it because they put it in the gallery. It became their work. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the show. I've actually seen a virtual version of the show, and it's absolutely beautiful. Mm. Because none of those people would have done that. That's right. And that's the thing. 
And that is the thing. It's, um, it's the originality of thought. And r- what Richard Prince is really responding to there is the there and now. Mm. You know, it, it's, the, it's the notion of selfies. It's all of that sort of stuff. Oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. Andy Warhol really got it wrong when he said everyone's going to be famous for 15 minutes. Mm. Oh, my God. We're famous for a lot longer than 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. You know, my son set up an Instagram page for me and I've got a few followers and stuff like that. And it's not about fame. It's just kind of getting ideas out there. Yeah. And some, some ideas resonate and some don't. But I really don't believe that anything should be censored. I don't think anything should be destroyed. I think everything should be kept. You know, I mean, if you've got a building that's dangerous, it's going to fall down, sure, you know, it needs to be replaced. But in terms of art, especially, it should not be destroyed. Mm. Who are we to determine what is legitimate and what isn't legitimate? Yes. We're here to experience the there and now of the art of its time. Because, you know, if you think about, say, the the history of the nude in, in painting, the context of the nude being made was really very different than the way we see the nude now. The nude was a trophy. You know, someone had a lover and they commissioned somebody to paint a picture of their lover and then we'd be with our brandy snifters and our cigars. We'd go out the back and you unveil this and say, here, here she is, you know. Then the, the collector dies and the collection gets broken up and all of a sudden it goes into a completely different realm out of your control, the owner's control. And then we see it differently. You know, we, we don't, we don't, we, we see it in the context of now. We don't see it in the context of then, like, oh, ho, ho, nudge, nudge, yeah, wink, wink. And, and it's salacious. It, and exactly. So it's a, different, it's a different form of art. In the same way, you know, I would look at a photograph of a boat in a very different way than you look at a photograph of a boat. The context, yes. The context, of yeah. course. You know, we have, a, uh, we have an image of a, a, a joiner, just a, a, um, a, a what oh, you call it? Hockney a Hockney style joiner. Yeah, yeah, just, 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 just two images. Yep. Just two images. So it's of a um, uh, taken with a banquet camera of all things, though. So oh, it's, right. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's about it's about nine by twenty four or something. Yes. But two images put together. Yes. Of the Adelaide Oval, and that's fine, and and I just I've put those two together. Somebody gave them to us, and I was appreciative of that. But I put them together just to talk about joiners. So even in those days when you had a camera that shot that f- sort of format, I just want to get a little bit more into the frame. <laughs> Never enough. I, I, I just need to get more into the frame yeah. type of thing. So anyway, I've put them together and there they are. And we had an open day at the uh, Centre for Creative Photography and a cricket head comes in. He says, oh, that was 1924. And he tells me all about the, who won, what the score was, who did this, who did that, who did something else. I just saw it as a joiner. Context. Yeah, context, exactly. I just see it as a joiner, banquet image, and they had to put another one together because they couldn't even then mm. get everything in. And then I get a cycling nut comes in and says, oh, that was when Blah Blah from America was touring Australia because they'll put up the velodrome around the... And, okay, fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but people, people bring different stuff to different things. And when you see the art and you understand a different part of the story, it really extends the narrative for you. So, so let's stop there because I've got a question about that. Sure. Um, 
there's a lot of people that you talk to go, oh, picture should tell its own story. I, I just want to know, I, I want to like it and I want it to talk to me and that's it. Uh, whereas knowing about this joiner, mm-hmm. there's a velodrome and that there's a 1924 mm. or 28, whatever, and there's a f- cricket team happening there. These That context makes that picture that much more interesting and that much more reason mm. to keep it, cherish it, put on the wall, to talk about it, to share it, right? So does that mean that – and I, I personally love artist statements and I love labels and I love – understanding artists intentions mm. how important do you think that is in this uh in this discussion or do you think pictures are stand on their own oh or both i think everything is grist for the mill paul everything helps really come on i think the stop more- sitting on the fence no 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 um uh, for instance there, there's the immediacy of of the image okay you, you experience this image and do you need to know a story about it or not okay for me, I like to go in really, really close and look at things and analyse stuff and just step back and move in and walk around and then, you know, check out a few other things, appreciate the context of, say, the uh, the exhibition and then I go back to the pieces again. I, I like to revisit them. Artist statements, I think, are really ca- can be really, really good. They can also be really, really bad where it's art speak and it's, it's just written to try to impress. I, I think we, I, I think we owe it to the public as artists to present ourselves in our best light. I, I don't think that there's any point in gouging people's eyes out because you think you're clever. I think what you really need to do is to be factual about what you're doing. You know, to be honest with yourself because you're making the art for yourself. If you're not making the art for yourself, it's a lie. Yep. It, it, it is a lie. And as my mentor said to me, when your art resonates authority that's when you accept it. And it may not resonate authority to you, and that's fine, in, insofar as, you know, blah, 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 right. Paul, I don't have to explain this to you. This is what I'm doing. This is my idea. And if you don't embrace it or accept it, that's really quite fine. <laughs> that's no drama, you know. There's no, no point in having an argument about it. I appreciate your point of difference. I think an honest critique of, of work should challenge people you know it, well, what if you did it this way or what if you did it that way or what if you did it some way else um then back at me it's a case of thinking well yeah i i i will ponder that rather than say oh you're full of shit right because um, i i think artists owe it to themselves to make art and to grow from that experience you know it's like being in a band. If you practice, if you rehearse, you only get good at rehearsing. Yeah. You've got to go out there and perform. Yeah. you just got to do that. For good or for bad, you just got to perform. And really believe in yourself. You know, you, you really do need to make the art for yourself. I really appreciate Man Ray's quote where he said, I paint what I cannot photograph and I photograph what I choose not to paint. Mm-hmm. You know, we're artists using a particular medium. And for me, it could be sculpture, it could be printmaking, uh, could even be digital, actually, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. type of thing. Is that, but do you feel that's a medium that's like growing on you personally? It's just, 
a slow process like any new mediums? Well, the thing that I'm finding really intriguing with digital now is that I'm actually in the process of scanning all my old work and reinventing it. Okay. Yes, because what happens now, there's the immediacy of digital that is actually providing everybody with something that's far, far broader than analog ever presented to us. Broader as in more detail. Broader as in more detail, broader as in recontextualizing your work, broader as in juxtaposing your work. What about this with this with this with this with this? Uh, Nan Golden, uh, Soccophilia. You know, I I thought that, I mean, her her work is very raw. It's great. She photographs her tribe. But I happened upon an exhibition of hers in New York and she'd been commissioned by the, um, uh, I think it was a, the Pompidou Centre. I was going to say the Louvre, but I think it's the Pompidou Centre. Just to go into the collection and juxtapose images of their, or do what they want, do what she wants with images from their collection. And she juxtaposed photographs of her tribe with stuff from their collection. And I tell you what, when I, with Nan Golden at that point, when I walked into the exhibition, I was thinking, oh yeah, you know, she photographs her tribe, but she can't really edit. Bullshit, she can edit. She can really, really edit. She caught the grist of, you know, a Caravaggio and put it next to one of her pieces. And you think, you know what? I get the same emotive quality from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that really, really cuts to the chase. You know, it's in my heart. It's one of the three percenters. And I've always had a lot of respect for Nan Golden, but now I love Nan Golden. Right, right. As a result of that, I, she really, really nailed that stuff. Psychophilia, by the way, is um, the appreciation of the gaze. It's voyeurism okay. type of thing. Beautiful show. Beautiful show. In fact, I showed that to my uh, my Concept 3 students just last week, and we spoke about, right. we spoke about the gaze, and we spoke about that um, love, intensity of... Of association, I suppose, yeah. juxtapositioning, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. So I think we're really at a wonderful time where we can make anything we want. Yeah. It's just a case of identifying your objective. What What is in your head or in your heart? How can you communicate that to somebody as directly as you possibly can? Some people get it, some people don't get it. That doesn't mean they're Philistines. I think art should be taught very differently. That is to say, it's not from a position of I know and you don't. It's more from a position of, well, let's investigate this stuff. Right. Why have people made this stuff? Yeah. Why are they painting and not drawing or sculpting or printmaking or tapestry or something? You know, we're all artists. It's beaten out of us at a very early age. You know, I know and you don't know. And that's a problem with art education, mm. as far as I'm concerned. I completely agree. You know, it you. needs to be far more um, uh, democratic. And, and gentle. Of course it needs to be gentle. And, and not to be jollied into it, of course. But what happens, of course, you know, you're a father, you have children. You don't expect them to be track, you know, track team members by the time they're three years old. You know, they've got to walk first. You know, just, just little steps, that sort of thing. And without being patronising or anything, it's a case of, well, what do you think about this? 
what do you think about that? What do you think about this? Okay, we're at this stage. What do you think about this and this? And with those various challenges, you then question, okay, so what do you feel about that? You know, how do you feel about that? Right. And this is what I love about being an educator is that as an educator, I like to actually have that education reflected back on me. Yeah. You know, I give students a bit of information yep. and they come back to me with a, a, an interpretation of that information. And you think, whoa, I never thought of that before. Yeah, and with that you grow. That's wonderful. Yeah, of course it's wonderful. Yeah, because the it's reality great. is there's so many perspectives on things. Yeah. But, I, you know, you talked earlier when I asked you the question about artist statements and that. I gather what you were, the answer you gave was about being professional, about uh, acting in a way that produces uh, a way that every but it help them understand the most because mm. you've talked a lot about context mm. and intention mm. and so I, I gather that that is a part of the practice that you do somehow communicate mm. where I'm at and where I'm at as an artist and what I was trying to make with this work so this this process mm. of of growing up with art is about seeing it and thinking about it you know in some ways consuming it and the more you see the more you build up this understanding. Am I, am I right? What I'm saying? You stop me if I... And no, so, no. so you're building up this understanding of what you like and, and appreciate with art. And if you are lucky enough to be able to really in, in, spend time in it, you get this sort of a broader understanding of where other people... Can. And is that when you feel like you're becoming a an authoritative figure in that world? Um, I, I, you know, I, I've never felt authoritative. <laughs> no. And I, and I'm not, I, I, I I'm like not, to tell a good story, though. I don't want to be blowing smoke up your ass or yeah. anything like that. I'm just saying yeah. you, you've mentioned authority a few times. Do you want some more? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's going to top us up on the old yeah, yeah. Just, single box. Just, just make sure you can drive. That's all that splash. matters. Oh, yeah. Splash. Right. I don't have to go anywhere. Um, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that – you, but you've talked about uh, – you know, making work with authority. Mm. And you're, I feel, from my understanding, is the more you see of, of art and the more you understand it and the more you look at it, the m more it helps you with your own authority and it helps you with your making it. Because I feel that there's... And I got such a benefit from, from understanding a bit more about art history that mm. I could sort of see... It helped me see over the horizon a bit more. It helped me see the, the playing field more and mm. appreciate... And, and as I said, appreciate what I was doing and what references that I were calling. Mm. Do you think that an understanding of art history is, is just... Is, is it just great sport for the game or is it actually really important of being an artist? Oh, I think understanding history is really important. I wish I'd paid more attention to history right. when I was in high school yep. because it gives you a context for everything. Right. You know, so, so for instance, um, if you think about um, what was happening at the time, so at around the time of... Well, let's say, talk about realism, maybe. Realism, okay, at, a, at around the time of realism, um, let's back up uh, about 20, 20 years before, we have the waltz. No, no, that's classicism. You have the waltz at classicism, yes. okay? Scandalous! 4-3 time? Yes. Or 3-4 time? That's disgraceful. How dare anybody do that? Yep. You know, and yet... We're talking dancing, right? We're talking dancing. Yep. We're talking the waltz. I mean, it's, yeah, it's when, when it comes Strauss's... Out, yeah, yeah, it, it's scandalous. It, it, it's, it's, ab it's absolutely scandalous. It's something new and people hate it because they don't understand it. That's no, Bach. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, 
Johann Sebastian Bach. Johann Sebastian Bach. Who's what Strauss? Uh, Wolfgang or something? Uh, like no, no, that's uh, that's Amadeus. Uh, I just didn't want to seem like an idiot. Anyway, Strauss's waltz. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Scandalous it, it, it'll, still be, it'll still be Johann Strauss because people are actually three, four times. Right. Yes. Yes. Rather than whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you know, people approach that for the first time and they hate it because they don't like change. But that's what art is all about. Art is all about a reflection of the society at right. this time. You know, if you think about Dada, yep. you know, how the hell can you make highfalutin art when you've just experienced the carnage of war? So tell us about Dada because I think it's worth the listener understanding a little bit about the Dada movement. Oh, the Dada movement. Well, there, that's Dada morphs into um, surrealism. Why Dada? Why the word Dada? Um, probably the first word that a child ever speaks, Dada. Dada, it's just nothing. There wasn't a specific start for Dada. It happened simultaneously in Zurich, a bit of Paris. It's just it was just kind of a a, a time. People have experienced the carnage of war, trench warfare. So post post World War One. Post World War One. I mean horror, horror. It's it's the horror. It's worse than horror. It's it's just disgraceful. And how can you make art after that? Yes. Where do you start to actually even encapsulate the human condition after experiencing such horror? Well, let's be stupid about it. Let's start. Let's start from ground zero. You know, in the same way with Duchamp, and he was never a Dadaist, but the Dadaists embraced him. You know, what he was looking at is non-visceral art. It's a sort of... Um, where does art come from if you can't look at it? Okay. You know, and how do we eliminate all of that history of art and start from a point where we're not actually looking at stuff anymore? It's more of an idea. That's the beginning of conceptualism. Just a different way of expressing yourself yes. type of thing. And as you well know, I'm a huge fan of Duchamp. So what's Duchamp famous for? Uh, well, lots of things. But his urinal. That's right. So he presented a urinal it, lying in a uh, upside, in upside, d- upside down on a plinth. And the plinth becomes a signifier. And signifier, what do you mean? Th- an artistic signifier. Oh, that means it's an art piece because exactly, it's sitting on a, exactly. on a stick. You put a frame pot. around a crack on your wall yep. and people are going to look at it. Gotcha. You know? I mean, people just glance over it otherwise. I gotcha. think it's a... It, it's so a, the plinth makes the, the, the urinal... It's a signifier. Yes. Exactly. So here it is. And he turns it upside down... And all of a sudden, if you look at it, it's a Buddha. Gotcha. Wow, it's fantastic. Now, it only exists by reproduction these days. The original got, just got thrown out. Somebody saw it and said, oh, whatever, junk, you know. <laughs> or maybe they installed it and continued to urinate on it. Who knows? Who knows? But that, that was the beginning of, of, of really modern thought, you know, okay. in, in terms of art. So we're talking early 1900s there. And that was a early 1900s, but that's pre-World War One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's post Spanish Civil War. Yep, yep, yep. Right, yep. yep. Um, so, so we, we're talking, you know, turn to, turn to the uh, uh, you know, early twentieth century now, and just thinking about different stuff. You know, the Russian Revolution. So there's yep. you know there's war, there's a bit of carnage, stuff like that happening. But Duchamp, being an intellectual, and being a painter, and having been rejected by painters for some of his painterly ideas, just began to reevaluate. What is the process of making art? Mm-hmm. And with that, he 
revolutionised the way we think about making art, the way we do make art, and the way we look at art, actually. He never made anything, in my opinion, that was beautiful. But I tell you what, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a huge Duchamp aficionado. You yeah, know, yeah. Anything, anything that's been written about Duchamp that's important, I have it. Yep. And I read it. And with it, I discover little bits more about him that just underpins the fact that he's the greatest artist ever, mm. actually, in, in my opinion. And it's only my opinion that really matters because I'm the one that has to sleep with that opinion type okay. of thing. So it's not being arrogant, it's just being realistic, actually. So, so with all this stuff, I think what artists do is to make art. But they should not be limited to any one particular medium. I hate the fact that somebody says, I took up photography because I cannot draw. That really shits me no end. Everybody can draw. We can all draw. So I've been told. Be, 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 better or worse, you know, be, better or worse. But we, we can all do that. And it just depends upon our level of motivation, you know. I will never be a Michelin restaurant, but Joanna and I love to cook in the kitchen and we love our food. You know, we love, you know, we go home and um, I think jo Joanna's going to make tuna mornay tonight. But last night we, have a, uh, we had a, a ceviche salmon type thing. And it is what it is, but you know, th there's a whole lot of experiences that, that we that we bring to, to everything, to, to all the experiences, I suppose, that we have. But getting back to art, as Camus said, if the world was simple, art would not exist. Yes. And art is really very important insofar as that it serves to feed our soul. Mm. And that 3% that we take to bed with us each night is really very sustaining to yeah. our spirit. Yeah, I I can understand where you're coming from completely, and the life that we take and the time we choose to and what we choose to invest it in because we're given this. this I like to think of it as a pie because it's food. I love food, and you divide <laughs> the pie up with all the things you could be doing. There's there's only so much pie. Yeah, you yeah, slice yeah. that pie up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and good the analogy. The time you spend, what you've got left, you know, you start munching on the pile, pulling pizza out, giving them to other people, you know, what's left is what's left. Mm. And if you choose to consume art mm. as a part of that, it's a you're suggesting that it's a food for the soul that's a yes. fabulous investment that, mm. that, that it really... I, I mean, the, the generosity of not being overly judgmental about art and the generosity of listening to what other people are trying to say and do with art mm. and the idea that... Well, the fact they've put it on a wall in a gallery makes it art. Nothing else really matters. Mm. I think that's really that's a fabulous way of looking at at things. Yeah, yeah. It's always a curatorial prerogative, you know. A, a well curated exhibition should serve to inform. You know, so even if you don't know anything about, say, Andy Warhol or A Y Y, that was a fabulous curated show on the NGV about two, maybe three years ago now. I went in there. It's the National Gallery of Victoria. National Gallery of Victoria, exactly. I went in there thinking, yeah, I'm familiar with AYY, I'm familiar with Andy Warhol. What the hell do they have to do with each other? Yeah. A lot to do with each other. Yeah. And for me, I, I, it was a beautifully curated show. 
And the, the curatorial bent, I think, really serves to inform or should serve to inform the viewer. You know, it's not just me wanking on saying oh, blah, 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 but here's how it is. And this is what happened. Will Gompertz, what are you, what are you looking at? You know, uh, 150 years of art in the blink of an eye. I'd recommend that to everybody who's listening right so I'm now. I'm going to write it down. Yeah, Will Gompertz. Yep. Yeah, what are you looking at? 150 years of art in the blink of an eye. Yep. And I'm rereading that right now. And the thing that he does, <coughs> he contextualizes everything. Oh, yeah, blah, blah was blah, blah's friend, and they did this, but then they had a falling out. And so, you know, you know so then, uh, yeah, Gauguin goes off to Tahiti and. You know, Van Gogh goes goes to Brittany and you know, never the twain shall meet. But it's really interesting to know the sociological background behind mm. all that stuff and the development of those things. But Gompertz really serves to illustrate that. And it's not highfalutin at all. It's just a case of, you know, you'll realise that um, conceptual art is not actually a crock of shit. It's actually real. Yeah, you know, and, and he is, he explains uh, Rothko's white paintings, for instance. And they talk, I mean, I knew that anyway, but yeah, but but again, with, you know, say so with with, Roth, with Rothko's uh, white paintings, you only see them reproduced. You got to see them in the flesh to yeah. understand them. Yeah, because they're just white. Yeah. <laughs> they're just white. But man. there's more than just being white. Of we course, can see there's just white anywhere. That, well, white is not white. No. You know, you got all. Just go to the hardware store and look at the paint selection. Exactly. Exactly. You got you got a different white here. You got a different white quite there. Right, quite right. You know, and the white over there is different relative to the value of the light that's falling on the wall, type yes. of thing. But really, that's what Rothko is illustrating. Or, wow, the sun is falling on that, and my shadow's falling on that, and all of a sudden it's different again. So there's the immediacy of stuff. You've got to experience that stuff. Mm. You know, you've got, you got to experience art is what you've got to do yeah. to actually have an experience with art. Yeah. Because to look at stuff in reproduction... Sounds obvious, but... It, it, yeah, yeah, but, you know, most, most people... And, it was, and that became very, fairly clear to me when I was in my early 20s when I saw Blue Poles. Yes. You know, oh, what the hell do we pay $3.5 <laughs> million dollars for that load of crap? I mean, it's worth... I don't know what it's worth now, and I don't care what it's worth. One, it put Australia on the map of, of modern art. Yeah. But two, I got to see it at the Art Gallery of South Australia, and I realised then that up to that point I'd just been looking at reproductions, and I did not understand. Whereas when you look at abstract expressionism, it's a very, very different narrative than when it's on the printed page. Mm. It's... Uh, it's kind of like it's it's so, it's so low fidelity yes. that uh, you know it's uh, it's a very different way of looking at things. Yeah, yeah. And so art is really very malleable, and everybody has a three percent of art, but everybody should open themselves up to art because it's it's free. <laughs> most of it is free. very little of it that is like there's not much in life that is so rewarding that is completely yeah. free yeah exactly well look my friend we are we've cracked the hour mm. uh i was just thinking, i was just getting warmed up i know i was just thinking do we just keep <laughs> recording do we keep recording and then i'll cut it into shows but i figure if we i'll come back if we stop we can do this again mm. and we can pick up potentially where we took off or if we can remember we'll have to listen to this show before we record the next one mm. um i think 
I think it's a good place to wrap up because what what you could have what you could have is people ask you about what we've spoken about. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? Yeah, that's what do you mean by that? You know, let's elaborate. So let's ask the listeners, please. Um. Send send me an email and we can uh, use that as a launching point mm, yes. for for uh, Gavin two point in this in this <laughs> podcast type of thing. Well, yeah, yeah, because I, I the Center for Creative Photography provides me with a living. Yes, you know I I, I love the school. Uh, it's the best place I've ever worked. It's because of the people that have actually been attracted to it. You know, that's the thing that I. It's nothing that has been designed. It's what's happened. It's what's happened. Absolutely. I, I I got the shits up and decided that I was going to open up my own school. And what do I know best about but photography? <laughs> and so let's use that as a starting point. But now that I'm an old curmudgeonly bastard, now I'm wanting to expand that into yeah. the stuff that I really, really love, yeah, yeah. which is visual art. You know, I think that's the most exciting part about it. It is. Uh, I really yeah. do. Because you can... You can follow this path. And, of course, if people – you can build it, and if they come, they come. If they don't, they don't. But I think there is something about this connection of of what we our, – our visual intelligence and what draws mm. people to studying photography mm. and then what, what has come before. And mm. I think there's a yes. huge – there's a huge importance in someone providing that connection for, for us all. And I think – I don't know how you're going to do it, but that's something you should absolutely, that should absolutely <laughs> yeah, pursue. And and like this talk started about, you've got to get out and see it. Yes. You've got to see things in context. This, mm. The interview started with this discussion, and it's kind of wrapped up in that same thing. And um, I, I think that's the best bit of advice that we could suggest to any listener. Well, you've got to see the originals if you can get out. There. Oh, you can. You know the art galleries. I mean, it, our state galleries are ours. They are there. Our state gallery. Our state galleries are ours. That's why we pay the we're, taxes. We're, we're every, wherever you are. And they exist for you. And you can go in there and you can actually look at this stuff. And if you don't understand something, take one of the docents to one side, one of the volunteers, and say, what is it about this? You know, whenever I go into a, a different gallery and when I'm travelling or something, I'll go to one of the guards and say, what's your favourite? piece oh, wow. here yeah i'll ask what, what's your favorite piece here and why and sometimes i'll say blah 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 it's this one over here you know oh no my favorite sir is down on the second floor and if you just go over into the classical gallery it's you know delacroix's you know raft of the medusa uh, why is that and they'll tell you a story and they've got this immediate connection to it yeah and i think that's a really great way to actually get to educate yourself about art yeah, yeah, is yeah. talk to people about it you know, not highfalutin educators, quote unquote. You know, academics, because they have a different language that uh, I, th- I think it's necessary. It could be an art and accessible, can't it? Though it, you it, talked about totally. art speak, yes, and the high it, it can to devolve into that. Yeah, perfectly, perfectly, and that, that that and this is where we kind of came in. There's a big problem with art education when it becomes so so highfalutin it's it it's unintelligible you do not understand what it is and then you you hear that and you think well i must be stupid because i i don't i don't know that's it the book is always there to be opened and as an educator myself i believe that i always try to keep that book open mm. 
whole mm. because because when it comes back to you in a different form that adds to your education as well so i owe it to myself to not obfuscate but to ameliorate mm. interesting that's it well thank there you we so go. much gavin what a fabulous <laughs> you're hour you're welcome aaron oh, it's just wonderful uh the whiskey has done nothing. This is normal. We could not have whiskey and it'll be the same. We could have a we cup of We weren't drinking whiskey. That was a cup of tea. We do not recommend drinking, well, a little bit. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And um, we'll catch you next time. Thank you, Gavin. <laughs> You're welcome, Paul. It's always a pleasure. Hey, ho, everybody. That was Mr. Gavin Blake uh, with me and a glass of whiskey. I feel like there was more than one glass of whiskey. There was two, was two, but that was there was no more here to drive. That was two online on on there. Yeah, but we only we had we sat down and then he poured a second one during it, and that's all we did because he had to drive home. Oh, you're very responsible. Yes, yes. So, um, uh, I thought I'd just mention that Gavin and I both sit on an advisory board for the Shimmer Photographic Festival, which is run by a council in the Southern Vales here in South Australia that covers the McLaren Vale wine district. And McLaren Vale is a small little town like the Barossa Valley, but it's our southern. It's where where the, the Rieslings and the Whites sort of come from, McLaren mm. Vale. Pretty famous for that. It's beautiful. It is such a gorgeous area. It is area. gorgeous area, yeah. So over this September, which is it's September tomorrow, it would be September when people hear this podcast probably. Oh, if I ever get it out. You'll get it out tonight. Um, uh, over September, the festival is running. So if you're in South Australia, uh, you can make your way down to the wine region. And because we're allowed to bumble around in COVID-safe venues, and the venues, some of them you have to book to be a part of to go and see. There's a lot of openings and things, but they're limited numbers. There's actually a, a, a panel discussion where all the artists, because there's a core program of of you know six or seven artists and then there's a fringe program where everyone else can have their shows and we're doing a panel discussion which i'm chairing and talking and interviewing the artists and getting to talk about their work so that's gonna be fun to go that actually might be live streamed i'm not sure but gavin and i are both advisors to the core artists and we've got um an artist who's never shown before uh hayden richards sa rips oh my those god of you, those of you on instagram if you so but the thing is that his pivot to his new work is sharp and glorious. Really is interesting. It's quite different. His new work is stonking. Do you think it'll go off, his new work? Because his current work has gone well, off. Well, if I have anything to do with it, because I'm I buying mean, the shit I mean, out of some of it. Tell that. me, how, how many years has Instagram been going? Oh, fuck, I don't Ten know. Ten years, something? Sure. So he was one of the first adopters of Instagram. Yeah, he's got like 70,000 followers. Yeah, and he this is the thing, and he's done not a lot other than just take photos and work with his followers. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure. He does sell some prints, yeah. but he's not really shown his work ever, and everybody wants to see it in mm. the flesh. And so we're doing some pretty big stuff for him. I mean, his, his work was stunning before, but now that he's shooting film and this film work that he's, that he's doing with this exhibition, it is just... Yeah. Like, it is kind of weepingly beautiful. And we're going to be interviewing Hayden when he's in town because he lives, he like, as far as Melbourne is away from Adelaide, he lives in South Australia yeah. over on the Air Peninsula. At and Ellison. they actually, they shared the most adorable um, 
Instagram story of them just walking around through the bush with me going, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, because he listens <laughs> to podcasts. Because he listens to podcasts for like scare off all the wildlife. Yeah, his, his work is stunning. Uh, and his work's bonkers. It is, it is bonkers. And he's good. the real deal. Yeah, and so, so, yeah. so the Shimmer Festival is... Yeah, and the best thing about the Shimmer Festival is Paul Atkins because Paul Atkins will be there with shimmering bells upon his yeah. body. Well, I'm hoping to drag you along to some of these events. Oh, good fucking luck. You know how I feel about <laughs> exhibition openings. Well, maybe not the openings, but go down to have a tour around and see some of the shows, just mm. you and me. Yeah. Maybe get a bit of wine, get a Chardonnay. Oh, it's just so many people. A, I don't want to do people. Cheese and wine. Cheese and wine. Yeah, well, you don't have to go down to the openings, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be going. To, so Gavin and I are involved... With that, and we've done a few projects similar. So your moment of colour for this week, what I thought I'd do is not... Is it? No. Is it going to be colour? No, it's not really so much about colour. Oh, it's no. going to follow on from the comments that Gavin and I were talking about, about what is the original and... Well, that's the chicken egg, like, who gets the credit. Yeah, I, I remember we uh, I once toured to Rochester to the Image Permanence Institute, which is where the group that we used to do research for longevity mm. uh, for photographic products. And, you know, they've got a lot of great research information. And I asked them once, you know, to ask about this question about, you know, what is longevity? And he said, well, there's a couple of things I'll mention. He said, we were asked to help curate a show that was on a old-fashioned, old-school computer. And, and we were asked to archive it. And he said... The artists, the collectors, the people that paid for it, the gallery, the museum, we're all discussing is what is actually the original. Mm. And they actually didn't come to a resolution. They decided they would keep the computer with a screen. Mm. But as soon as that thing doesn't start up, it does the artwork exist anymore? So whatever happens next with it is another version. And I know the way Gavin thinks is he wouldn't be so pedantic about worrying about that. But just yeah. I always think about it as a person who's collect, going to collect and invest or thinking advising people about collecting and, and investing because why would you want to buy something that's why would you want to invest in a sandcastle that someone's built at the beach for it to be washed away three minutes later is the photo of the sandcastle the artwork well that's the question isn't it i mean i don't know like is the you know the amazing award-winning film is that the actor, the writer, the director. I mean, it's just, you know, like... Is it the... Is I remember it, we saw... Or is the film shown in Cinerama in an old school theatre loaded with people? Yeah, I Or don't is know. it something you watch on DVD at home? Like, what is the canonical experience of viewing? And Gavin's point was you need to stand in front of these things. Yeah, and there's also that aspect of the second it's online, it's ruined. Oh, right, yeah. it's cha Well, it's changed... Well, but the exposure factor yeah. and, and the fact that people can steal it so easily. I mean, I would... Like, there was a beautiful piece we saw in um, in when we were at the Guggen, whatever, somewhere in New York, and it was this amazing... Um, uh, all of these um, little explosive devices that had... Um, ink in them. Do you remember this? Yeah. It had like ink dust in them. And the artist had them going, flying into the air and exploding in coordination. So yeah. they made all these beautiful patterns over Gaza, which was just the whole thing. The exploding, but then it was hot pink and not bombs. Like it was yeah. just amazing. And it was all filmed clearly from a drone. Um, and back then, it was quite a few years ago, it would have been quite expensive. And so what is the piece then? Is it a is it a DVD? <laughs> like, is it a file? Is it a 
Is it the fact that it played when we saw it in that room for that period of time? Is it that the performance of it and you're standing in Gaza looking up and seeing it? Like what actually is all it of makes that? You, it makes me think, and this is the moment of colour bit, where, you know, we, we here would be um, worried about how pink the pink is or how hot the pink is. Mm. And like, in the great skimmy things, it doesn't matter. I, I know we've worked with a couple of really great artists who who – who specifically chose wet process prints and specifically were okay with the fact that they change colour over time mm. very slightly. But yeah. then I guess there's also aspect of it that is the gathering around the piece, like all the material, like, the like Christo who died not that long ago, who was someone, an artist who I did a lot of study around, he used to rap thing buildings oh, yes. and, and with this cliffs. yeah with this fluorescent pink it was always the same pink this cristo pink which is why i have a bit of a penchant for that particular fluorescent pink but so he would so the art itself is an experiential thing in that you're walking through Context. a building that's been wrapped or or islands or whatever it is that he's done but then he he would sell all of this sort of ephemera around it so like his drawings his council applications his like all that stuff would all get sold at a huge price as as they are all part of artworks um which is kind of interesting i was at a i was at a shop the other day and i walked in and made a beeline for these two little pieces these two little weird boxes that were sort of off on an angle and i'm really good at picking the pieces that the fucking vintage seller doesn't want to sell and they were little mock-ups of a larger a larger um, piece. And so are they artworks in that they're not finished? And part of the reason I loved them was that they weren't finished and they had the little, like, writing on them and the, the dimensions. Well, it's and part of the process. Glorious. And this is where I think photographers need to consider what they're producing because I think that we often think quite two-dimensionally that we're just making this thing. I mean, Emma Hack took a bit of a leap with stitching and embroidering onto photographs mm. to add. I mean, she spent, I don't know, 70, 80 hours on one mm. piece. Uh, and so we would print it on fabric. We'd back it on another, like a muslin, yeah. and then stretch it. And then she would embroider. And she's spending, you know, hours and hours, ridiculous amounts of time on it. And that would then take that one piece to something where the artist has touched it and been a part of it, which is really interesting. And I suppose that's like the element of the signature and the numbering and the limiting. Mm. I think that's all trying to capture that side of it. So, yeah, we, we do a bit of reproduction here and that always, we're always trying to chase how much the original is the original. And I think you've got to be careful about that. I'm almost, you know, part of me says, you know, additions, why are we talking about limiting them? And it's just all artificial. Unless Yeah, the but that's the construct of art, baby. That's what we've said yeah. it is. Yeah. That's yeah. what we've all agreed upon. Yeah. We've gone, there are these things and they're called galleries and we put art in them and then therefore, well, Gavit said it, it's in an art gallery, therefore it's art, whether mm. he thinks it's art, or, like whether it's good or not. Yes, I mean, right. that's the confusion. Everyone thinks that, you know, if it's art, it has to be good. There's plenty of shit art out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's, at some point with all of this stuff, it becomes... You know, and there's art out there that's about that specifically, the way that it's all meaningless and doesn't, and you know, just fuck it. And, but yeah, okay, great. Then we can all just turn it to Trump. 
Nothing means anything. How does it get back to Trump? No, nothing means anything. Nothing is truth. There is nothing real. Yes, yes. And there is no, no, don't limit it. Just print it out. Just it, take a photo. It doesn't mean anything because two seconds later someone owns it so, on Instagram. So, so like. Can't, be, can't do that. It's cynicism. We all just die in a pool so, of cynicism. So I think the best way to look at it is that, I mean, the art world is made up. Think about art consumers or art experts. It's made up of people who've looked a lot of art and have looked at art in the past, have been a part of the thinking of how art flows through different genres and what influences what. And those people that have listened to it and looked at it and thought about it a lot, they're they're in some ways the people that we kind of look to, just like scientists who look at look at drug studies to see how certain medications perform on the general population. I mean, we've got to trust these people who spend a lot of time in that world and we've got to listen to them and take what they have to say on board and if we're interested in that sort of stuff, if we get into it ourselves, we too become a bit of a, yeah, and a person. And, and that's the best way to look at it, isn't and it? And as Gavin said in the in the discussion, there's context. So, context. so if somebody who has an enormous history in art and understands, you know, the complexity of the background of each piece, gets something completely different from a piece from then somebody who has you know, year 12 art and nothing else, or somebody who has no art history education. And that 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 is the same across the board. That is the same, you know, like a jeweller who knows, who can spot a, a flawless diamond from across the room has a different appreciation of whatever piece you're wearing versus somebody who doesn't know shit and buys their stuff at the local, yeah. you know, yeah. gem shop. and or, or a chef who has dined all over the world and is a, is a, is a person who's, you know, done reviews for a critic, right? That that sort of stuff. There is the context of what the person's experiencing. You know, there are lots of people that you remember that Blumenthal guy. Yeah, Heston and everyone, Blumenthal. yeah, everyone had a hard on for Chef. him. And you know, I've met people who have eaten there and gone, "It was really gross." We went out for Macca's afterwards. Yeah, right, because for them, there were obviously elements in it that flew over their head that they didn't appreciate, and didn't like. Um, and it may have been not great too. Like oh, sure. In the process of doing so. But this is the thing. I think the joy needs to be found to be seen in the exploring and the trying and the testing, looking at the art, consuming it, not judging it straight away, thinking about it. Yeah, and, not, and not thinking that just because you don't like it, it's not valuable. Yes. You know, like the, I don't particularly always want to have, you know, that really manipulated Blumenthal kind of food where, you know, 43 sous chefs have rubbed their hands all over whatever I'm eating and they've turned it into looking like a pumpkin when it's actually met worse or whatever. I don't always want to eat that every day. Sometimes I want the Jamie Oliver throw it all in a bucket and chuck it on a plate kind of food. Um, that You know, you have your preferences for this stuff. There are people who really love abstraction. Pro tip, if you can tell what it is, it's not abstract. <laughs> is that go- it? People always go, oh, it's really, it's an abstract drawing of a flower. Honey, if you can tell it's a flower, it's not abstract. The point is that. you can't is tell what it is. Is this real or is this Kate canonicalness? Well, let the art nerds roll Well, actually, on I'm going to be, I'm hoping to interview uh, a guy who's written a book on abstract artists here in Australia. Brilliant, uh, he can up. correct me. So you will see. Wait, <laughs> just because you like being corrected. Anyhow, should we leave our lovely? But that was your moment of color. That was your moment of color. Sort that of, was your moment that's of color. Huh? 
It wasn't, wasn't not, really. It's not really a moment you're either. You're running out of colour, aren't you? No. Oh. No, 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 there's colour. I just worried about repeating myself because I'm not writing anything down. Oh, you fuck <laughs> with. You have a memory like a sieve. You have I to know. write this shit down. I'm a goldfish. And what are we going to have for dinner? Bolognese that's been cooking all goddamn day in I the know. oven. I could hear it bubbling away. Oh, it had better be good. It's like all a right. witch's cauldron, that little thing that's, in there. That's right, baby. Been Can't sitting wait. there. I've newt water of toad. Bubble. <laughs> oh, bubble, bubble. All day. I kept going in there thinking, all right, this time I'm going to open them and it's going to be burnt to a crisp. No, it's good. Let's hope there's no bubble, bubble toilet trouble. Afterwards. Oh, Paul. <laughs> Jesus Christmas. Good night, everybody. Love you.